Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning. Joining me now is Mike Schultz. He is the district manager for the Lesseur Soil and Water Conservation District. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Karen. I'm glad to have you. So, Mike, I know you from, I am on the Lake Washington Improvement Association's Committee for Water Quality, and you have been working with the, the Lake Washington Improvement Association about helping to improve the water quality of, uh, it's not only Lake Washington, of course, but any of the, the wetlands around in Lesueur County, specifically your area. What is it exactly you do, and how are you working with the Lake Washington Improvement Association? Well, yeah, well, let's take a second back and uh, uh, just talk about the soil and water district. We're kind of uh, a Swiss Army knife for conservation in Lesueur County, so we have a plethora of projects and programs. We do a lot of planning. Uh, we go after clean water fund projects, uh, which is our dedicated funds. Uh, and so our connection to Lake Washington uh, is that we actually have a targeted grant uh, to help uh, reduce phosphorus in the Lake Washington watershed. So uh, we've been doing those types of projects for the past 10 years or so uh, in and around Lesueur County since the dedicated funds have come into place. And so... Um, over the past few years, we've completed projects around uh, Lake Volney watershed in Lesueur County. Uh, we're wrapping up the very tail end of a project uh, of the German Jefferson watershed, uh, where we've received a fair amount of grant funds and, and a lot of partners. And then the connection to the Lake Washington Improvement Association, they've done a great job partnering with us in this grant to do projects amongst uh, uh, Lake Washington region, where we've had identified priority regions through targeting um, using uh, specific tools to try to find uh, uh, priority sites to do work that have the best bang for their buck. As, as you know, that uh, the funds that we're using are, are uh, locally raised tax funds and uh, uh, that are done through the legacy funds, and so we're just trying to use uh, the best available tools and knowledge to uh, target the most uh, uh, beneficial projects. What is the issue with phosphorus? For people who don't know, why is phosphorus a concern? When we get uh, phosphorus into lakes, uh, it, it ultimately, uh, in this region, we see blue-green algae blooms. So, uh, and that's what is detrimental to uh, uh, animals, human life, uh, drinking water, so on and so forth. And so, we're just trying to reduce those uh, runoffs. And and you know, historically, our watersheds didn't have crystal clear waters. I mean, for the most part, we had clean waters, but uh, uh, the pristine waters in northern Minnesota didn't exist in this part of the region. Uh, we've had uh, just clean waters that was more of a murkier look. And so we're just trying to get those numbers down into more of a, a, a standard base flow or baseline. And so we're actually working in these watersheds that uh, uh, we actually feel that we can make a difference in. So why is it that we don't have the pristine clear waters like they do up north? Um, I think some of it is is just our soil types. Um, we have easier uh, soils that are able to be uh, dispersed in the soil columns, uh, and so on and so forth. It, it's if you look out and uh, we've all been in a, in a Minnesota lake, and some lakes have sandy bottoms and mm -hmm. some have muddier bottoms. Uh, it's all about that how that soil gets in there and gets into work up those those uh, particles into the water column, and so that that's typically. And so we have a lot of those. Uh, 
uh, finer soils that are able to trans uh, 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 locate across landscape through erosion uh, and sedimentation. And so we're seeing that in a lot of our lakes have loading that involve that type of uh, situation where they get into it and they just sit in the lake and they need to be utilized before they're, they're removed. And so that's, that's a big problem, and so we're learning about those things as we keep moving forward. Each lake is different. Not everything is treated the same. What is loading, then? How would you explain that? Um, well, as uh, a, a good example is that we've all seen a mudslide, mm-hmm. and uh, a mudslide potentially in, in, in a smaller scale, we could use a small farm field, and over the years, a little bit of uh, soil leaves a farm field through erosion and so on and so forth, and over a long period of time, that amount sits in a lake, which for the most part doesn't flow the water very fast, so it sits in the bottom of the lake and creates that load. It sits in there until it can be utilized, um, and which opens up a whole other world of problems with like aquatic invasive species, um, uh, invasive vegetations, uh, and, and so with all those that works up all these sedimentations and allows for these phosphorus to uh, just explode and potentially create algae, and it just provides a, 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 a growth opportunity for all these other things during certain temperature types and sunlights and so on and so forth. Um, so that, that's a quick overview. I mean, you see loading in a lot of our lakes in the deeper parts, um, and then sometimes you'll see sandy lakes get into really muddy spots, and so those are just areas where that, that, that those particles have settled out and they just sit there, and sometimes vegetation uses up those nutrients, um, or it just takes time for them to flush the system, and, and sometimes that's a very long period. How bad is the quad- water quality here in our area, in the Sewer County and surrounding area? Well, um, I'll... I'll I would say we are, are average uh, when you're comparing us to southern Minnesota, but water quality, I mean, in some sense, we're seeing trends go up and we're seeing trends go down on certain lakes. Uh, I mean, Lee Sewer County actually has two of the cleanest lakes in southern Minnesota uh, as a fish and rain health lake, which is pretty awesome, um, and they do have pretty clear water. And we also have some other lakes that have pretty good quality water quality as well. And, and then on the other side, we have some pretty late, or lakes that have some pretty poor water quality. And, and you know, when we're prioritizing and targeting, um, a lot of the things that we look for is are the lakes that are near the, the, the thresholds to be considered a, 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 a above average or are near our, our water quality standards. We spend more time on those lakes trying to put money into them to clean them up because ultimately in the long run it takes less money uh, to fix those lakes than it is those lakes that are severely gone. And uh, it, it just because there's just a lot of treatments, and, and there's obviously different prescriptions for each lake, and so the cost just goes up substantially as the water quality is worse. So what are some of the worst polluted lakes in our area? Um, well, you see a lot of the lakes get blue-green algae blooms. I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of them. I, I, I really don't want to just go out and say that they're the worst, you know, one lake's worse than the sure. other because I, I just don't want to put a term on it. But, I mean... If you see blue green algae, um, there's there's the, just the regular green algae. That's natural. That happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start seeing the blue green algae, the stuff that's floating across the surface of the water that just looks like you shouldn't even be touching, those are the lakes that tend to warm up fastest and tend to be degraded the most. Um, and and you know a lot of those dependent on you know certain circumstances. If it, if we had flooding events, we have uh, erosion issues, uh, uh, fertilizer application in the region. Uh, landowners around the lake with homeowners and cabins doing fertilizer application, things like that for their lawns. You know, all of it is is these things are all 
we all need to be part of a, a bigger picture to do the best management practices for the properties and, and lands around those areas and just kind of know how we all impact these watersheds because at the end of the day, uh, our water ends up in the Mississippi River, and we all know where that ends up in the Gulf of Mexico with the hypoxia and so on and so forth. And we're just spending so much time and effort to try to make sure that our imprint in those areas are just reduced. What are some of the biggest contributors to the phosphorus loading in our area, lakes? Uh, just shooting from the hip. I mean, in turtle loading on lakes, sometimes lakes just create it on their own. We've done some studies in our county. We're able to find that that's the case. And so, you know, um, those are the toughest ones to attack. But, uh, you know, our surface runoff, uh, either through um, uh, homeowners or our farmlands, we're seeing that if we can work in those areas, uh, we can see the biggest gain in those uh, nutrient numbers that are coming into the lakes. So how much, for example, in many cases, when we were talking about Lake Washington specifically, there was a certain amount that was coming from the homeowners right around the lake versus a uh, farm from drain tiles and things like that. Yeah, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I mean, you know, since since let's just rewind the clock, say back to the 1950s, there was just a handful of homeowners around some of these lakes um, lakes were, um, you know, you went to fish and hung out a little bit, but uh, the cabins started showing up after then, and, and um, you know, and then right around the 70s, we started having advanced drainage start to come through, and so we started seeing water quality issues degrade right around that post-1970 period when a lot of the lakes became uh, developed and, 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 you know, our, our drainage systems were able to drain into any of those courses. And so over that time period, we started seeing water quality trends kind of go the different direction. Um, and just the, the general way, uh, you know, so we've had more homes get built around the lakes, which improved, provided more impervious service, and then they provided their, their typical, um, uh, you know, we, we all mow our lawns. So back before then, we didn't necessarily had to mow all those areas, so we provided that material that to end up in the lake through uh, runoff. And then potentially... Um, uh, agriculture was able to provide a conduit through, you know, advanced drainage and so on and so forth. And so we're seeing a lot of that. And so that our job here at the Sun Water District is to work with both those folks uh, and trying to find, you know, ways to uh, minimize those those impacts into those areas. And so we, for, for all the projects we work on, we try to look at uh, water quality uh, numbers and what we can do for pollution reductions. Uh, and then we try to target those areas. So it just over that time period, we've seen a big trend, and, and it just altered in that case. And I'm talking with, Mad for example, Madison Lake and Lake Washington. Uh, at some point, there were no city water sewage lines connected to those residents around there, which there are now. How much of an improvement was that to get a city water system or sewage system versus the, I guess, that was, would be septic or other drainage systems that individuals would use? All right. So, um, you know, wastewater treatment systems are, are huge. And uh, actually, um, most of that work's done through our environmental services in Lee Sewer County, a, a partner uh, agency in the county. And, uh, you know, being that hooked up to the city and being able to treat has probably been a, a blessing in some sense. You know, it's not a fix-all for everyone, but for the most part, having that opportunity over the long run has uh, probably uh, greatly reduced any of the potential impacts that could have happened around the lakes. Um, you know, Lake Washington, uh, I've just, it's kind of a success story being able to be hooked up to the city sewer systems and even uh, the West Jeff area is hooking up to the city of Cleveland. So uh, that that's a pretty fin uh, awesome thing. And, you know, Lee Sewer County has been doing uh, 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 
a couple pilot projects for uh, septic compliance in other parts of the county. And so they're working around the lakes, making sure that all the septic systems are up to date, which, you know, uh, a leaky system could potentially provide, you know, a, a serious amount of uh, pollutants into the lake, so or pollutants into the lake. And that's a, it's a great opportunity to go around that and work with those folks and get them up to date. And uh, I believe for our lake region, I think we're on one of our last regions of the county on uh, doing those, those um, uh, inventories. And so they've, uh, German Jefferson areas, uh, the Cicada Tatanka Rays area, Francis, and now I think they're up in the Volney, Gorman, and the community of Cordova in that area, um, working on that final phase. And so it's, pretty awesome that we're able to do that and have support of our county to keep doing those things as we continue to try to, you know, work towards a better water quality and, and so on and so forth in our county. What sorts of solutions are there? I mean, what kind of things do you obviously prioritize and then you have to figure out which solution is best for certain areas? What kind of options are there? Well, uh, maybe I take a step back. In the older days, we used to use the uh, uh, EPA's total daily maximum load studies. And uh, now uh, in Minnesota, we have actually been going into uh, our, our watershed. So in Lisa County, we have four watersheds. We have the lower Minnesota River, the Minnesota East, um, or the middle Minnesota, which is the, uh, the Lake Washington watershed, which we've, we've met on. And then there's the Cannon River watershed. And then we have a very small portion of the Lisa River watershed, so areas that people are in the area are familiar with. And so we've started going into the one watershed, one plan processes where we take every one of those watersheds and we sit down and we uh, hammer out with uh, anybody that's willing to work with us on what the priority should be in those areas based off of studies and and documentation and you know we've done numerous plans over the years msu has done countless amounts of studies in the region and so we're just trying to put all that information on paper and uh uh, make one plan for the region and find our priorities, and we're going to try to uh, tackle them over the first 10 years uh, with those fundings. And so uh, Lisa County currently has a plan that is moving forward, is the Cannon, and uh, we were just funded for a grant to start writing the lower Minnesota, which is our northern about half of the county, we, and it's going to be called the lower Minnesota River East because they split that watershed a little bit. And so uh, and, and we're continuing to work on it, and I believe the Lee Sewer watershed is in the process, and uh, the middle has uh, is a little slow to take off, but uh, under statute we have till 2025 to get these started, and so we're just kind of right on par to keep moving through here. But those documents are, are, are supposed to be the, the cream of the crop, and we're, we're able to kind of prioritize our projects in there if it's either uh, you know lakes, uh, farmland, uh, storage projects, drainage systems, cities, uh, wastewater treatment facilities, all that stuff is going to be encompassed in that plan. They're pretty pretty cumbersome, large documents with a lot of information in it, and it's really going to be our basis to go to when we're looking to try to accomplish things in these regions. You mentioned the year 2025, so how far along are you? Are you pretty much going to be able to get that whole plan done, and then from there, what happens? Yep. So actually, after those plans are done, we uh, we are we used to be in a competitive fund cycle to get grant funds, and in this case, uh, over that period, um, by when we get a grant funded, we actually are eligible to get, uh, um, I would say, unrestricted competitive grants. Uh, so the numbers actually the money just gets split amongst all the watersheds that are already have a completed plan. And we get a, a lump sum, and so if it's uh, five hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars over a two-year period to go ahead and tackle some of these larger projects we've identified in the plan, and that's ultimately the direction we're going there. 
And so it's it's kind of putting where our money where our mouth is, you know, finding where those priority regions are and giving us the opportunity to just go for it. So, um, and it's in the Cannon Watershed, we have 14 entities that are working together there, um, and, and it extends all the way to the outlet of the Cannon River near Red Wing. So we got all those counties working in there. So we've, we've worked together to say, hey, this region needs priorities first because, you know, uh, we just start in that area based off of our, 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 our knowledge of what we do for business. And we have certain things in this region that we're trying to accomplish, and we've made priority areas and so on and so forth. And it's pretty cumbersome. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, we kind of devote staff or a staff to work on those plans and continue to keep their eye open for projects in those areas. And uh, one thing that I may have not have mentioned in the early part, the Sloan Water Districts do all the work with voluntary conservation. So landowner we're, we're not forcing things on them the landowners are you know either we're approaching them and see if we can't build a relationship to do these things or uh um, they come to us with some questions and, and we provide them with guidance and try to potentially in some sense find them financial assistance uh in certain circumstances or even go attack and try to get grants on our own that are outside of these funding sources um, and that's kind of how our relationship tying back to that lake washington works um, is that we went out and uh, got one of these grants to work in those regions um, and so there's a lot of pots of money out there that we're trying to get after, and we're they're all based off of targeting and trying to find the right place to put, you know, these uh, levied or uh, legacy funds uh, in the right places to show uh, the biggest uh, difference after its 25-year uh, cycle. Mike, what are some things that either we as individuals, maybe homeowners, or even farmers, landowners, can do? to maybe help things out in our watersheds to keep things better? Are there certain things that we can do as each person? Well, I, I'll, be, uh, I'll be one to be uh, guilty. I'm a, I live in, the, in a city, and uh, for a long time I had been a, a, I provide weed and feed on my yard and so on and so forth, and it's all, it's all based on your preference, and I'm not going to call on anybody that uh, puts those things in their yards, but... Uh, um, I've stopped officially using weed and feeds. Uh, every once in a while, I use some Roundup for certain things. But, uh, uh, you know, just that extra phosphorus loads and, and, and fertilizers that you put in your lawn, um, you know, they contribute. If we all do it, we contribute a little bit, right? And so that little bit turns into a lot of it, and then and it, and potentially ends up in water. Now, on a side note, I mean, we, we uh, these things are happening all around, actually, right next to our office that was getting fertilized today, and we saw some fertilizer get some put on the streets, you yeah. know. And, 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 you know, those things all end up right in our drains. And so that's a, a quick one to be conscientious of. Um, you know, a lot of landowners are following, uh, farm landowners are following the U of M uh, extension rates for putting application on. I mean, that's the best thing you can do is follow the U of M guidance, um, you know, and so on and so forth. And so we're, um, you just kind of pay attention. There, there's a lot of people are looking at um, pollinator plots at home, things for, uh, you know, butterflies. I actually, this year, we let all of our ragweed, or uh, not a ragweed, that's a, a weed. <laughs> Golden rye. Uh, um, our, 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 we let all of our milkweed, oh, milkweed. Uh, grow in our property. And the stuff grew like six feet tall this year. I couldn't even see the front of my house, and I felt kind of, uh, felt like I probably wasn't vi- or violating some city codes in some sense. But, uh, you know, eventually after the last rains, they all fell over. So uh, they got so big. <clears throat> so, I mean, just little things you can do. Um, you know, obviously you got to fall within your city ordinances or, or rules, but, as, as homeowners, um, just being conscientious, you know, um, every time we mow our lawns, we end up cutting down the grass, and the grass eventually deteriorates, and some skins ends up in our storm drains, which ultimately ends up in our rivers, and they, they turn into some types of, uh, some forms of pollutants over time. So um, <clears throat> it's just 
the little things uh, in, you know, it's, it's just like how we all started recycling years ago where, you know, some people did it and some didn't. And now if you can get more on board, you get a better bang for your buck in return. I know in our lakeshore, on Lake Washington, I've been putting in what I consider a lakeshore pollinator garden with the native plants with the deep roots and that can have an effect of absorbing some of that water so it just doesn't drain off on a regular turf lawn and go with any additives or anything into the water. And I think that's something, I know the the uh, Soil and Water District, the Soil and Water Conservation District now has uh, options for people to apply for grants for pollinator gardens and, and those sorts of things, and that's open right now. So um, that was how I started doing mine, so I think that's an opportunity to let people know about as well. And so just FYI, if, if you want to, go look it up in the Soil and Water <laughs> Conservation District. It's through the Blue Thumb, and I don't know if you're aware much of that or not. Yeah, actually, we partner with our county. Our county has some project funds for that uh, annually, and, uh, you know, it's on a first-come, first-served mm-hmm. basis. So it's uh, it's one of those things where uh, we're glad to work with you. Obviously, uh, each year the funds eventually run out, and so we kind of right. get to put on a waiting list. But uh there is potential, you know, those deep-rooted uh, native vegetation is, uh, I mean, really the fix-all for everything. You know, it it's able to store carbon, it's able to help with their moisture, uh, so on and so forth, and, it, you know, it helps with the erosion. I mean, that's our, our biggest thing, and, um, you know, we're on this big push with all this type of keeping things vegetated, our cover crops, so on and so forth. You know, if we can keep vegetation on the ground, we know that we're, you know, we're providing a benefit and, and trying to reduce some of those bigger issues that may come through, such as flooding, uh, you know, erosion, so on and so forth. Do you work with farmers who maybe have tile around a lake or something to to buy their land up or something to turn it into a watershed? Are those some types of things that you work on? Let's say somebody wants to to maybe contribute to bettering the lake water quality. Yeah, actually, um, I mean, we are a Swiss Army knife, and I'm just scratching the surface of the things that we do. Actually, if you really want to know what I did, we'd probably have to <laughs> sit down and spend 30 minutes describing because it's not every day is the same. Um, we wear many, many hats, and, uh, you know, those types of projects exist all over. Um, I got staff that were out on construction today on similar types of projects along streams where uh, we're, we have permitted easements. Our, our, our conservation reserve enhancement program is currently going on board. Um, that that's an easement program that we tie it to some of the federal uh, CRP programs. Uh, those ones exist. Uh, in the past, we've had just wetland easements that we've worked on, and then we were, we're willing to just partner with anybody that's uh, trying to you know find better options for um, you know their 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 properties through um, our our CRP programs. Uh, our store our, our water storage is a huge thing that we've been talking about trying to find places to put water to treat it prior to entering some of these water bodies um you know we on the side note our, our swcd also is the ditch inspector for the county so we're working with landowners that want to drain things and so we're able to have upfront conversations about things that we are able to do on their lands for um you know conservation and things that might fit our programs and it's just a, another conduit to keep having those open relationships with those landowners a lot of times we present a project with a landowner today in some sense and uh, we probably don't hear from them for a year and they come back with maybe a counter offer an idea that they've come up with and and that's usually how our relationships work and and everything we do here takes time and uh, it doesn't happen overnight but 
you know, it's just like growing pollinators on your property, but it wasn't very easy to get them to establish right away without extra work and watching them. So it's similar to how that process is. It's just how much commitment you want to put into these individuals, and we keep working through that. So we have a great staff, and we all seem to be on the same page on, on what we are trying to achieve here at the Sun Water District. And, you know, we've built a lot of relationships with our with our landowners in the county to accomplish these. Mike, where's somewhere pl- that people can go to look, whether it's a website or a phone number or something? It, let's say they maybe have some ideas or thoughts that they may want to be involved with something, whether it's pollinator gardens or anything, that they could go to, to like a one-stop shop to find out. Well, the quickest way, I mean, to get a hold of us, I mean, you can just Google up Lee Sewer SWCD and go to our website, or it's www.leesewerswcd.org. They're in a different county. They can look up their own county. Let's say somebody from Blue Earth, they could just go to the Blue Earth County SWCD or wherever you're at. The Soil and Water Conservation Districts are everywhere in Minnesota. All the neighboring counties have a soil and water district, uh, you know, Nicollet's in uh, the actual city of Nicollet. Blue Earth County is in Mankato. Um, Wasika's in Wasika and, and, you know, all the neighboring. So, I mean, uh, and they're all great offices, and if you got questions, reach out to them. Uh, you know, it's easier. Um, you reach out to the people that are in your county at first. Uh, that's typically how it works, and, um, you know, if it involves into something else, they'll get other folks involved. So, I mean, we, we have access to a lot of resources, and so, I mean, in some sense for conservation, no question's a dumb question. Um, we're willing to try to, you know, work what's best in the region, and uh, it seems like conservation and a lot of the work that we're doing to be put on the forefront and being identified all throughout the state, through the governor, through many of the, or the state agencies, and so on and so forth. Mike, I want to thank you for your time. We've been talking with Mike Schultz, who is the district manager for the Lesueur County Soil and Water Conservation District. Thank you so much for your great information. We appreciate it. I appreciate the time, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.